Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Caught at the 20. Racing near sideline 10. Turn of the 5. Touchdown Raiders. The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. Q. And here we are in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. We're expecting to get a phone call from Khalil McKenzie, Vegas Viper offensive lineman. They get into action this week. They're on the road this week. They'll be out in Arlington, but they'll return to Cashman Field right here in Las Vegas next weekend. And you can hear their games right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Their home games you can hear right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. So we're expecting a call from Khalil. We'll see what happens, but we got a lot to get to on today's show anyway, so we'll just keep it moving until he hits us up. Uh, just saw by Albert Breer, the commanders have offered Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy their offensive coordinator job. He's accepted it, and the expectation is the deal will be in place within a day or so. Bieniemy spent the day meeting with the offensive coaches with decisions coming on that side of the staff. That's from Albert Breer, and I'm still so confused by that. I'm still so confused by this hire. I don't understand why Eric Bieniemy is making a lateral move at best. And honestly, I'd probably say it's not even a lateral move because you don't have Patrick Mahomes in D.C. But okay, maybe he's seeing something that that we're not seeing and we have no idea. Maybe he's seeing that step to being a head coach like he wants to be. But there you go. Eric Bieniemy is not with the uh, not with the the Chiefs anymore. He's going to be the offensive coordinator there in Washington with the Commanders. Yeah, this is a terrible move to me <laughs> for him. Where you can say, unless he's got some reassurance from one owner out there, hey, you go out there and have an above 500 record coaching that offense, you're definitely head coaching material. But besides that, I just want to wait until 20 years until we find out that Eric Bieniemy actually stole Christmas and not the Grinch so we can <laughs> have that reason to know why he was never the head coaching material. Or just let's fast forward 20 years and they can bring all the skeletons out of the closet. It blows my mind. It really does. And so whatever the case may be, uh, he's headed to D.C. Matt Nagy, remember him? Remember he got fired in Chicago? He's expected Mm -hmm. to take over as the O.C. there in Kansas City. And he sounds like and looks like he's going to be the heir apparent when Andy Reid decides to step down, which, again, makes no sense to me. If I'm Eric Bieniemy, I'm stalling it out. I'm waiting until Big Red decides he's ready to step it down, and that's my job. You know what I mean? Like, that's a great job with a great quarterback. Why would I want to go to D.C.? And again, he has his own reasons. I'm not mad at him. I, it, I just, to me, as I'm reading it, as we kind of watched it develop the last three or four days, none of that makes any sense to me. But that's for them to figure out and not for us. But, uh, yeah, just keeping you up to date on the latest and greatest going on across the NFL, Eric Bieniemy headed to D.C. to be the offensive coordinator of the Washington Commanders. The question that we threw out there to you, what is the biggest question the staff needs to answer this offseason besides who the quarterback's going to be? Because we all know – that's the big elephant in the room. Got plenty of texts, and of course, we'll hear from you as well at 702-365-9200. We're awaiting Khalil McKenzie from the Vegas Vipers to call us uh, up and, and talk about his game this weekend. But if he doesn't call, we keep the party rolling. We got plenty to get to, so the show does not wait. I say it all the time. If you go to the movie theater and the movie's scheduled to play at 3, three o'clock, whether that's a packed house or nobody's in the house, you know what's going on? The movie's playing. So the movie is going to continue to play here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Robin Oakland hit us up and said, there's one question that constantly been bothering me for a few seasons, and I hope it's been bothering the Raiders front office now. What the hell are we going to do to slow down Mahomes, Kelsey, and Reed? Not one player can solve that problem. We aren't winning anything until we stop getting swept by them. Robin Oakland. Fantastic question. 
fantastic question. It's kind of the theme that we started the show on Monday with after we saw the results of the Super Bowl on Sunday. We all know Mahomes is a problem. Andy Reid is a problem. Kelsey is a problem. That is a great combo or, or, or a triplet package right there. But really, the combo I'm looking at is Mahomes and Reed. Those two together are fantastic. So I think that's a great question that Rob has. I've mentioned it before, and I'm not saying that he was headed on the right path, but John Gruden knew what the task at hand was. Just like Rob said, got to figure out how to beat Kansas City, how to stop getting swept by Kansas City. Remember when they, they won? When they won in Kansas City and they took that, that lap around, the extra lap in the bus that's still talked about, which is ridiculous? That was, it was celebrated because, hell, it was the first time in how long? So, yes, that has got to be the goal. How do you build a team that could beat those guys consistently? Because until you could beat them consistently, you're, 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 you're never going to be number one. You're always going to be, at the very best, number two. But when he says slow them down, do you think that you can find those players on the defensive end, or do you think the Raiders' best bet would be have a team that can match them offensively and whoever has the ball last wins? Well, I'll tell you right now, Philadelphia had a hell of a defense, and they gave up 38 points. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I mean, they had a hell of a defense. Now, you look at Cincinnati, and I think if Cincinnati hadn't made a few mistakes, and I thought if they attacked Patrick Mahomes a little bit differently in the championship game, the AFC championship game, I felt like Cincinnati had a chance to win. They were a team that was able to go toe-to-toe with, with uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. So how did Cincinnati build it? Well, they have an elite quarterback. They have weapons on the outside. Their offensive line ain't worth the salt, but they still find ways to get it done. And they have a run game. And their defense is good. Their defense can create turnovers and, and, and get the ball back when they need to. So when you look at the Raiders, what do they have? Well, right now they have no quarterback. Right? Because even if anyone who's saying, well, Jarrett Stidham's going to run it back, he's not even a, 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 under contract. He's a free agent. So they got to sign him. So they have no quarterback right now. Their running back is a free agent. They have elite wide receiver on the outside in Devontae Adams. They have Darren Waller under contract. They have Hunter Renfro under contract. And they have Max Crosby on defense. So they've got, to me, they've got a long way to go to match up with teams that can consistently. Again, it's one thing to beat a team one-off. Those happen all the time. We see them across the league all the time. A one-off victory. We see that. How often can you see a team that you start to say, wow, I think they got their number, right? That's what we were saying about Cincinnati. I think they got Kansas City's number. They've got the, the fuel to be able to defeat them. And then, well, then their mayor started talking trash, and, well, we all know how that shook out. Who's your daddy talk started happening. And that was then- the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dumbest thing ever. It doesn't make any kind of sense. But that's a great question, Rob. That's, that's one of the biggest questions that I don't need to know the answer to. But that's a question that Dave Ziegler needs to be looking at Champ Kelly. Champ Kelly needs to be looking at Josh Daniels, and they need to all come together and say, okay, how do we, as a front office and a coaching staff, beat those guys? Like, hopefully they were all sitting around watching the Super Bowl together, looking at each other like, well, what do we do? <laughs> because that is, that is the biggest question. How do you stop and slow down those guys? Geese Mode hit us up and said, what I want the coaches to answer this year is, what is the identity of this team? Are we Patriot retreads? Are we that air raid passing offense that was supposed to happen last year? Are we a hard-nosed run-first team that we proved? Are we that dominant and gritty elite defense that all the fans want? I just want to know, what's the plan? Theme, who are we? We have great individuals, a lot of pro bowlers, but who are we as a Raiders team? Great question. 
Another great question. What did DJ Khaled say? Another one. Another one. <laughs> right? That's another great question. Because how many weeks did we go, in, even talking to Lincoln Kennedy, what is the identity of the Raiders? How long did we go in the 2022 season before we knew what that identity was? Yeah, probably about till the Seahawks game, where that way it was definitive. Yeah. After Josh Jacobs was Mr. 300. Right. Give him the ball. That's the identity right, right there. Right. He'll put the team on his back. So up until that game, but even right now, at this moment, I know people don't like this answer, but I don't know. Well, I'll tell you right now, the Raiders aren't the dominant and gritty elite defense. That's, that's yeah. who they're not. Take that one out, yep. Yeah, you can eliminate that. I don't mind them being a run-first team. I like it. I think it's great, but JT always brings up a great point and says, yeah, Q, but if they're a run-first team and they don't score touchdowns, then not only have you wasted a lot of the time on the clock, but you only put three points up on the board, and that allows a team like Kansas City to go down the field in two or three plays and score a touchdown, then oh. you're behind the eight ball. Yep. JT brings that up all the time. As much as I try to tell him, no, it's run first, run with Josh and open up everything else, he said, yeah, but what if you only score three? Yeah, eight minutes of time of possession, three. We saw it shoot it just in the in Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. Boom. Eight minutes of, of possession for the Chiefs. Yep. And they were still in the game because Philly couldn't put them away. They got the, the, they got the Fabian minus fours. I got a question. When the hell can Fabian <laughs> retire that minus four beam? <laughs> I would love for the staff to allow Fabian to retire that minus four meme. If Fabian? I got to see that any more times... I don't know what I'm going to do. It was brought up to Mick Lombardi in one of the press conferences this past season as well, so the team is also aware of it. He didn't call them minus fours, but, yeah, the team is also aware that you got to score you got to score touchdowns. It's easier said than done, right? but it is one of those things where, as you said, that's how you lose to a team like Kansas City, yep. even the Raiders, when they did play them in Kansas City. We can all talk about Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro mm-hmm. or the hold on the field goal, but, yeah, right. hey, if you can get some more touchdowns rather than field goals, they win that game. Right. No, you're right about that. You're absolutely right about it. And, and that's, what's, that's what's crazy. It's not just this staff. It's not like this is something new. The minus fours. You know why Fabian has it so handy? He's been doing it for years. How many times have we sit in a presser and ask John Gruden, well, how are you going to improve in the red zone this year? I mean, seriously. In the last few years before John Gruden was out, we sat there and asked him all the time. And he's like, we know. We know. I'm sure we can find a soundbite in the system right now. We know. We know that there's, you know, that, that we have an issue in the red zone. We're going to continue to work on that. How many players said that? We're going to, we're going to continue to work on it. We, we've got to improve the red zone. The red zone's got to be improved. I mean, that's, that's something that everybody has said. So it's not just like it's this staff's fault. I did think with Josh McDaniels coming in, his track record of being more successful in the red zone, that that was going to improve. And, well, there's too many times that, as I've mentioned before, there's meat left on the bone. It's like getting that bone-in ribeye, and just because it may be in the little corner, you know, between the bone, and you might say, oh, that's just fat. No, it's not. There's meat. Go get that. Go get that. I ain't going to lie. When I'm at the house and I have the leftovers, I'll pick it up like a rib just to make sure I get it all. Right? Q, that's a steak. Nah, it's a rib now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got uh, clips going back to 2020 with various players on the Raiders offense talking about the uh, red zone offense. Well, entertain me. Let's, let's hear one. There was a point in the season where we were number one, we were top five in a lot of those aspects. And then, like I said, to finish the season, all of a sudden you can fall really quick in this league. Uh, the margin of good to great is very, very small. So to be able to just focus on these details, focus on what we have to attack and um, just get those little details down. No details, you know, unimportant right now for us. So 
uh, I think it's a huge emphasis for our team, and I think we're really excited to make that next step and to be the best we can be here. Is we have to be even better on third down. We got to stay on the field more. We got to be able to punch the ball in the when we get in the red zone. There's got to be a killer instinct where we're not leaving without touchdowns, and especially we can't leave the red zone with no points. And so, uh, field goals, you know, uh, are good, you know, at times, but. I really think, Jerry, we need to finish in the low red especially. There's a glaring weakness that we had last year that we've we've tried hard in training camp to work on. There you go. A couple former Raiders right there. <laughs> that's I mean, why. Come on. I'm not saying that's the reason they're not on the team anymore. But No, no, it's definitely not on them. It's it's on the, the collective. But it was just random that, you know, we pulled it up and, and DeMond told me there's plenty of them. There's plenty of them in there. And we just randomly hit, you know, players. And it happened to be Alec Engel and Derek Carr talking about the red zone. But that went back to what, 2020? That's the 2020 season, yes. There you go. There you go. So that lets you know it's been a the red zone has been an issue for quite a while. So uh yeah, Gizmo, great, great text. We do appreciate that. Uh, how about Brad and Concord? So I think the biggest question this staff needs to answer this offseason is how are we going to make the correct game time adjustments this coming season? I think this ties directly in with what you said a few minutes ago regarding the record number of blown leads. Too many times we've seen the opposing team come out at the half and tear up. They clearly, they clearly adjusted. We saw little to none of that for some reason, especially from Graham. So I believe that would be a question they need to figure out. The answer, to is about the in-game adjustments. I like it. I like it. Thank you, Brad, for that. And I think that you're you know, spot on. You know, and I know that Peyton Manning was on the, what, the, the broadcast saying, oh, I've never, never done too many adjustments in, in, in at halftime. Went in there and went to the bathroom, grabbed an orange peel or grabbed a – Banana, we didn't really do any adjustments. So I don't know exactly what adjustments go on. I've never been in the locker room at halftime. I couldn't tell you what adjustments go on. But you've got to be able to go into the locker room with the lead and come out with some intensity and hold on to that lead. That's what I do know. That's what I do know. So there you go. 702-365-9200. We'd love to hear from you as well. That is our Raider Nation listener line. Who we got up, Demon? Robert in Portland. Robert, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, guys. Uh, taking a little uh, left turn here. I looked at the top 10 uh, free agents that are going to be available, not the ones that are just going to get re-signed like, like Jackson, but guys that probably won't be re-signed. And I want you guys to ask me, what position do you want to see them, other than quarterback, repair, and you know, than any other position, right tackle, defensive tackle, safety, cornerback, and I'll tell you what, if there's a guy on this bunch and how much it'll cost you. Okay. Thank you for the call, my man. I appreciate you. And there's a few positions that I would love to see them attack. Uh, I'd love to see them attack the secondary. I've mentioned the defensive tackle position, defensive line. I'd like to see that. I think the, the defense in particular, all elements of the defense could be, could be addressed. I really do, right? Um, you know, and, and there's still obviously positions on the offensive side of the ball that need to be addressed as well. I still think that they need a burner. A guy with some wheels that can get down the, the field and, and, and take the top off of defenses. I think that's good for the Raiders. I think they need that. Obviously, they need a right tackle. I think Jermaine Illuminor, shout out to my guy, uh, Slow Jam James. You know, that's his guy, right? I think J- Jermaine Illuminor did a, a, a good job as far as what he was able to do, but there was still a lot to be desired. Yeah, that's why I know someone mentioned it the other day when they said, hey, Taylor Luan in free agency. Maybe that could be, hey, he used to be a Pro Bowl left tackle. Let's try to swing him over to the right and see if he can at least stay healthy for the season. That's the type of person that I would like to see the Raiders bring in, just to give a give it a good try, give it a good swing at it, and say, hey, this is going to be our starting right tackle, maybe if maybe. But when it comes to those other positions, especially on the defensive side, they need some studs. 
I mean, I know it's it's easier said than done. You can't whiff on these free agency pickups because we saw last season with Chandler Jones. Yeah. But this season on the defense, it needs to be 100% success rate. No, you're right. I mean, and they've got to be – the thing about it is we saw Dave Ziegler and company go and address a lot of one-year guys, right? They brought in a lot of guys on one-year deals. They need to be able to bring in – it doesn't have to be a lot of guys, but bring in a couple dudes – that are younger cats, they have production in the league, you know that they can rock with you for a few years, and they're going to help you be successful. You know, like a 25, 26-year-old, you can give them a four-year deal and feel comfortable in what they're going to do. You know, kind of similar to what you saw the last staff do with, like, Corey Littleton. You thought he was going to be a dude. He wasn't. Nick Wachowski, he was okay. He wasn't, he wasn't bad. Uh, LaMarcus Joyner, he didn't end up being worth the salt, right? I mean, guys like that, they went out and, and they swung, and they spent a lot of money in free agency, but it just didn't pan out. They just got to get a couple calculated guys. They don't have to go crazy, man. Stones to the wall. You don't have to do that. Just get a couple guys that can help you and that you feel conf- confident and comfortable with knowing they're going to help you moving forward. 702-365-9200. Let's go back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Who we got up next, Damon? Gerald in Jersey. Gerald, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, how are you? Uh, just just uh, quick, real quick, I got a couple things to say. I'm still upset over the Derek Carr situation. Um, I know that, you know, you guys are probably sick of talking about it, but um, I, I just feel like there are certain people that are happy to see this happen. They're actually looking forward to the crazy quarterback carousel that's going to follow this team now for the next 10 years. We're without a quarterback right now. I know. And it's, uh, and it's unnecessary. It's unnecessary to be in this position. I don't trust Josh McDaniels for the life of me. This guy ruined the Denver Broncos. He's coming here and following the same path he did in Denver. I just don't understand how this guy could go from passing for 5,000 yards and then he has a 3,500 yards passing with the guy that you bring in. It's a Ferrari. It's got to be on the coach. It can't be on car. I just don't see it. I mean, look at Carr's production when he was with Gruden his first year as opposed to the second, third, and fourth. Did you see a massive difference between his first year with Gruden and his, third, and his second, third, and fourth? How do you expect this guy to just bring in coach after coach, handle offense after offense, and, and he just gets blamed? I can't. I can't take it anymore, Q. I'm, I'm just a Raider fan for a long time, and I can't stand the dysfunction of this organization anymore. All right. Well, thank you, Gerald, for the call. I appreciate you. And, and you're right about some folks are excited about it. Uh, I think half the fan base is excited about it. I think you're on one side and there's uh, another fan base that's on the other side, which blows my mind because I never remember that Raider Nation. I always remember Raider Nation being one and everybody being a fan of the silver and black, a fan of the shield, not a fan of one particular player. We've all seen players come and go, fantastic players that have come and gone and yeah, we'll get upset about it for a minute, and then we'll get over it. But this, you know, with Derek, it's just, it's, it's just different. And I understand exactly where you're coming from. Some people, like my son, that's all he knows. <laughs> my son don't know any better, right? That's all he knows is Derek Carr. So I get it. I get it. And, and, and my thing is I'm just waiting, sitting back, and seeing what happens. Because now, like you mentioned, all that is done. He's meeting with the Jets this weekend. There's a chance he could sign this weekend. So – I'm not going to hover over and, and, and you know, worry about what's already done because what's already done is done, right? You can't go back and, and try to clean it up and change it. That's, that's, that's gone. Statement's been put out there. 
you know, and, and everything is moving forward. So I'm just interested to see what happens. And that's why I said when I asked the question about what's the big question that you have, the big elephant in the room is the quarterback because there's got to be, and I, I don't want to take this lightly, there's got to be the plan. And I say the in capitals and air quotes, the plan, not just a plan. If there's a plan, the Raiders could be in trouble. If there's the plan, well, maybe they, they're on to something that we don't know anything about. Let's get one more call in real quick. 702-365-9200. Gangster Raider, you're on, you're on the show. Welcome to the, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? What's happening? What's happening? First of all, um, I want to talk about what you was talking about yesterday, about the two players you wanted to bring in. The players I was going to say was um, Raekwon Smith and D.K. Metcalf. Can you imagine this offense with D.K. Metcalf on one side and Devontae on the other side? You know what I'm saying? And Raycon Smith on the defense. That's what I wanted to say yesterday. But anyway, back to um, the caller. Yeah, I was going to talk about something else, but that caller, like people like that, y'all need to check y'all Y'all need to check y'all Raider. You know what I'm saying? Y'all only supposed to be only fans of Derek Carr because he was in the silver and black, unless y'all was Fresno State fans before he came here. But as of now, he is no longer a Raider. Either you Raider or you not Raider. Yeah, none you know of that. None of that. None of that matters. That we we know. We know. It's it's already. We don't need to to rehash. Go ahead. What, what move forward? Go ahead. Let's go. Yeah. Now, what what I want to say is, in the future, you know, say I think we should build up the team. I already know. What I say I stay stick with Stidham or whatever. But that's why I say we got a good quarterback. You know, even though we don't have him as of yet, I say we go out and sign him, bring in the veteran, and build up the rest of the team around him so we can have sustained success. You know what I'm saying? And okay. everybody thinking about this is the Vegas Super Bowl. This is not going to be the last time Vegas has a Super Bowl. I think we're going to have more Super Bowls in the future than anybody else. This is going to replace Miami. Remember how Miami always had like the Super yep. Bowl every other year? Yep. I think Vegas is going to have a Super Bowl every other year. So pump your brakes. This is not going to be the last time, even if we don't get to the Super Bowl this year, if we have sustained success, I think in about two to three years, the Super Bowl will be again in Vegas again, and we should be repeating champion, repeat champions by then, or defending champions, should I say, by then, and we could defend the Super Bowl then, you know what I mean? But yeah. even though we still, I think we still have a chance to compete next year to get to the playoffs and possibly win the Super Bowl, but don't act like this is going to be the last Super Bowl in Vegas. I think we're going to have multiple Super Bowls, and I think every time the Raiders, every time the Vegas, the Raiders, I mean, the Super Bowl is in Vegas, we should have a good enough team to be viable to get there, and that's what I want. You know what so I say? Stick with Stidham, build up the rest of the team, and we'll have a notorious, also glorious future. You know what I'm saying? I'm gone. Gotcha, gotcha. Good stuff, good stuff. And yeah, that's the thing. I guarantee Vegas, this will not be the last time that they have the Super Bowl. This will end up being a destination, location, like New Orleans is, like Miami, like you brought up. Uh, there's other, what, Arizona has been in the rotation a lot. I don't know why, but they've been in the rotation a lot. There's other cities that get it. Tampa Bay gets it. I mean, yeah, it's definitely going to be part of the regular rotation. The NFL loves Vegas. That's what I know. After the draft, they loved Vegas. They want the draft to come back all the time. After the Super Bowl, they're going to love Vegas some more. They're going to always want to be here. So, yeah, it's going to be part of the rotation, but this is the first one. This is the first one, so it's going to be, it's going to be special, in my opinion. I uh, got a text from the 707 on our don'tbebroke.com text line, 69187, keyword R&R. The question I want answered is whether or not Ziggler and McDaniels are capable of making the right decisions in free agency and the draft to improve the team. I think that what we saw in a very small sample size for the draft, I think that was good. I know some would disagree, but I think that Dave Ziggler did a good job with the draft in 2022. We'll see what he does with the full allotment of draft picks. Uh, assuming that they're going to have their first and second round picks uh, like they did not have a year ago. But I think that he did pretty good for what he was working with 
his very first year and not even a scouting staff that was his scouting staff. Free agency, that's another question. Chandler Jones obviously did not live up to the billing. They've got to be able to hit that. They've be able to got, got to get that right every single time. 324 is the time. Coming up next, Rick Butler, Rocky Top Insider. We're going to go all the way into the collegiate game, go to the SEC, talk a little bit of Tennessee Volunteers. It's coming up next on Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Q. Josina Anderson tweeted out, I'm told two-time Super Bowl champion Eric Bieniemy will be the commander's new assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator. Per league source, Bieniemy earns a significant increase in title and pay on his first multi-year deal as an NFL coordinator. Deal was agreed to before today. That's from Josina Anderson. She represents CBS Sports, so maybe that's the reason. Maybe that's the reason why Eric Bieniemy leaves Kansas City and goes to the Commanders because he's now not only the offensive coordinator but also the assistant head coach, and he feels like that that's the step he needs to be to be a head coach in the NFL. And he also received an increase in title and pay. So that's something that he was looking for. So that's just a little bit of update on the latest going on with the NFL little news and notes. Join us now on the phone lines, Rocky Top Insider, Rick Butler. And Rick, thanks so much for your time. We do appreciate you this afternoon. And well, I don't know if you know, but the Raiders are looking for a quarterback. So there's been a lot of conversation around here about the quarterback position. And Hedden Hooker's name came up from Tennessee, obviously. And he's a guy that I thought had a great chance of winning the Heisman Trophy until he tore his ACL late in the season last year. Uh, what can you tell us about Hedden Hooker? What does he bring to the table as not only a quarterback, but also a leader of men? Yeah, well, hey, Q, thanks so much, first and foremost, for bringing me on the show today. Yeah, when you want to talk about quarterbacks, Hendon Hooker is certainly a good one to talk about. Six foot four, 280 pounds. This guy is a natural quarterback and a natural leader. I think what you saw in his two years from Tennessee was a mature veteran guy who was really skilled at what he was able to do on the field. He, he, he's got a lot of great things going for him. But to me, one of the biggest things is, is his decision making. He is an excellent decision maker. And part of it is just being a quarterback in Josh Heupel's system. Uh, to be a quarterback at Tennessee, there's a lot of option routes. There's a lot of pre-snap recognition. There's a lot of quick thinking that you have to do on your feet. Tennessee's had maybe the fastest offense in college football for the past two years, and him and Hooker obviously has been a big part of that. So he's a great decision maker, a fast release and a strong arm, and he's got good accuracy at each section of the field. I I really think he's a solid prospect in this class. Now, of course, does have some deficiencies, does have some concerns, But overall, this is one of the more talked-about quarterbacks right now for a reason, even though he's coming off of that ACL injury, which was suffered in late November, although that recovery seems to be going well. You know, you mentioned Josh Heupel and his system and his scheme. Does that? Do you think that that's a system and a scheme that uh, helps prepare guys for the NFL, or does that help win games in college? Sure. I I think maybe it leans a little bit more to the latter. I think Josh Heupel's offense is absolutely specifically – uh, built and designed to be effective at the college level, and maybe it doesn't always translate over to the NFL. But I do think that there's aspects of that offense, especially being the signal caller, where you do have to be in your prime, where you do have to be ready at every single play. And again, one of those things I'm talking about is that decision-making. They run a lot of option routes. That's something that I do know that, you know, say uh, the Buffalo Bills, the Bills also run a lot of option mm-hmm. routes, where the quarterback, Josh Allen in that case, he's got to be able to be uh, – you know, think quickly on his feet in order to hit Stephon Diggs or, or whatever receiver is going out there. So I, I do think in a similar fashion, Hennon Hooker does have that ability to think very quickly on his feet and, again, be able to kind of relay what he's seeing to what he wants to do, whether that's throwing the ball or passing or, or running the ball, excuse me, 
when he has it ready for the play. Rick Butler, Rocky Top Insider, is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. You can find him on Twitter at Rick, and that's R-I-C underscore Butler. My man demond has got one for you. Besides the notoriety and then just becoming more of a household name, what did Hendon Hooker, who threw 30 touchdowns in the season before, gain from coming back for that extra senior season this year? Yeah, absolutely. I think just by coming back to Tennessee, he he gets that experience and he gets more of that mold of being a starting quarterback. I I look around just kind of the quarterback rankings for this draft, and you guys have been talking about it. We talk about guys like Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young, Will Levis. Well, in this last 2022 season, him and Hooker went 3-0 and against all three of those quarterbacks. I think just that ability to come back, have one more season at Tennessee, and get some of those marquee wins and marquee moments that he didn't necessarily have during a 7-6 and season in that first season at Tennessee. I think last year you saw him be able to, to lead a comeback against Alabama at home and win that game. I think you saw him be able to dominate Will Levis and the Kentucky Wildcats at home again. And I think you saw him be able to go to tough road environments like a Pittsburgh or, or something like that and be able to compete all the way into overtime and still get that win as well. So I think just by him coming back to the 2022 season, it gave him a lot of experience and moments, especially winning moments, that he hasn't necessarily had at other points in his career. So what is that biggest learning curve that he would have to make to get to be ready to be a starting quarterback at the NFL level? Yeah, I think really when you talk about the biggest learning curve that he would have to make, it's just kind of, I think, A, on one hand, he's got to continue to work on his mechanics and footwork a little bit more. Sometimes it was a little wiry when he would come out of the pocket. Still a very capable quarterback coming out of the pocket. But, but you know, obviously you can still see improvement there. But I think ultimately you're just looking at a guy who, who needs, doesn't need a little bit more time, but has used the time very effectively that he's had. I, I think that development is only going to continue to go. But again, we talked about Josh Heupel's offense. We talked about the system. I am interested to see what this quarterback looks like out of that quick-moving Josh Heupel tempo offense. I am kind of wondering what that would look like in a different offense. Now, I don't think it would be any worse. I think I still think that Hinton Hooker would be a very capable quarterback. But we also know that he was very successful in that specific offense. So there's still some things he absolutely has to work on. Again, maybe mechanics and footwork a little bit. But I do think that that learning curve maybe isn't going to be as steep just considering he is such an experienced veteran quarterback, if you will. I know it's hard to do, but remove the ACL injury. Is Hendon Hooker a better quarterback prospect than Will Levis? Yes, in my opinion, yes. I I, I understand that Will Levis has a, a great build. He's got great arm strength. He's got a lot of talent kind of what you would want on paper for a quarterback. But I see Hendon Hooker having those same things. Yes, it is difficult to remove the, the, the aspect of the ACL injury. But hey, we also know that in modern times, modern medicine, those injuries can be kind of sustained or, or can be kind of healed or, or mulled over in a fairly effective manner. I, I do think that Hendon Hooker brings the traits that you would want as an NFL starting quarterback. Now, is he projecting to be a starter right away? To me, no. I, I think you do need a little bit of time for him to kind of get adjusted to the system, obviously recover from that injury. But I do think that he is just as capable of the quarterback as somebody like Will Levis. And if you talk about Anthony Richardson as well, I certainly think that he's a better prospect than Anthony Richardson just based on what I saw last year, even though, again, Anthony Richardson is the type of guy who who has all the immeasurables in the world and everything that you can want on paper, but maybe has not necessarily shown it as much on the field. 
Rick Butler is our guest from Rocky Top Insider here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And I said Roughness talking all things Hendon Hooker, but also Tennessee Volunteers. They got plenty of players that are going to be selected in this April's draft. But going back to Hendon Hooker real quick, you know, one of the things that we've always been talking about here is uh, accuracy, decision-making, and, and ability to create. And Hendon Hooker has all three of those. I mean, those are three things that he checks those boxes. So as far as sitting behind a veteran, how long do you think he would need to sit behind a veteran and learn the, the NFL game and really adapt to it? Sure. I don't think long at all. Just knowing the, knowing the kind of player he is, knowing how much he retains knowledge. You know, one of the, one of the myths, I guess, or, or just kind of unspoken stories that would go around Tennessee this year is that nobody has watched as much film in the room that Hinden Hooker has since Peyton Manning all the way back in the late 90s. So I think that kind of speaks to his work ethic a little bit. I don't think he would need much time at all. Now, I know that is a little bit of a contradiction when I say that I'm not sure he's the guy that you bring in to be the immediate starter, but I do think that quickly he can be. I think that maybe just a little bit of time, kind of getting his feet under him, figuring out the system, figuring out just what a different offense looks like that's not the Tennessee offense, I think all of those things built together can put him in a position to succeed. So, again, maybe not the immediate starter, but I do think that it can be quickly. I think that it can be within one, two, or three years, you know, whether that might be a quarterback leaving a, uh, leaving a team, whether that might be an injury or something else that forces him into that position. I do think that he can take that next step very quickly, even if he's not projected to be a day-one starter like some of these other guys, a Bryce Young or, or you know, a C.J. Stroud, of course. Something that teams cannot have is not enough weapons. And at receiver for the Raiders, they could use a bit of an addition. What do you think about Jalen Hyatt? I think that he's rising up the ranks, but do you think he's going to get chosen in the first round? Yeah, okay, so that's a good question. You know, Q, in the last segment you had in the, I guess it would be 3 o'clock segment for you, 6 o'clock for me, you said you were talking about a guy, a burner, right? A guy with wheels. To me, Q, that is exactly who Jalen Hyatt is. He's an explosive runner. He is a terrific route runner. He is a tremendous with his breaks in and out of the cuts. And maybe most importantly, he is borderline unstoppable when it comes to those deep threats. Just again, because of the pure and raw speed he has with his awareness and his route running capabilities. Now, I do think that when you talk about Jalen Hyatt, you can talk about the 15 touchdowns. You can talk about the fact that he lived behind the defense so often, no matter if you're playing, you know, maybe lower quality teams or higher quality teams like a Florida, like an Alabama. Even a little bit against Georgia, he was making plays. So I I do think that on that note, he is absolutely a guy that is worth a first-round pick. But there are some concerns to his game. He does have a little bit of a slim build, six foot tall, 180 pounds. He's never really struck me as a super well-built player, although we have heard that that's been a point of emphasis in the draft training that he's been going through over the last couple months. He also is a guy that has really benefited from this Tennessee system last year. Look, in his first two years, he had 20 receptions and 21 receptions. Then last year, that bumped all the way up to 67. So obviously it has been a breakout career for him, kind of riding the bench a little bit for those first two years and then exploding onto the scene this final year in 2022. So there are some concerns with him. I don't think he's necessarily a guy that can go out there and, you know, he's not the guy that you're asking to go win a 50-50 jump ball. Right. But if you're, at, if you're looking for a guy to kind of sneak behind the defense just on a straight go route, from any really position on the field, I do think that Jalen Hyatt could be your guy, and I think that that could get teams so enticed that they do wind up taking him with a first-round pick. And if you got a guy like Devontae Adams, you have Darren Waller as a tight end, you have Hunter Renfro in the slot, yeah, a guy like a guy like Jalen could get behind a defensive back because he just got that speed to kill. So I, I like that. That's an intriguing prospect right there, and I know the Raiders need a lot of speed. 
you know, Q, and one more thing kind of along those lines is that we know that, well, Tennessee wide receiver Cedric Tillman, who is another strong draft prospect, he, for the most part of the season, until an injury derailed it, he was kind of Tennessee's, if you will, Devontae Adams, maybe mm-hmm. the one that takes up a little bit more of the attention from the, uh, from the opposing defense. In a lot of ways, that is how Jalen Hyatt was able to sneak back behind some of these defenses, able to use a little bit of a yin-yang effect with the other wide receivers on the field. So I think you're exactly right in what you're saying there. He could be a very good fit, just knowing how much of the attention that guys like Darren Waller uh, and Devontae Adams are going to take from defenses. Talking all things Tennessee Volunteers right now with Rick Butler, Rocky Top Insider here on Red Nation Radio 921. To also ask you about offensive tackle Darnell Wright, and I know that he's you know been there in Tennessee for a while and continue to improve, improve, improve. What did you see from Darnell this past season? Yeah, guys, believe it or not, this is my favorite draft prospect from Tennessee. I think he is a fantastic player. I think he's going to be a right tackle in the NFL for ten plus years. Just a solid, solid career. Let's talk about this. Six foot six, three hundred and thirty-five pounds started all 13 games for Tennessee at right tackle this year, and maybe most impressively, did not allow a sack on pass blocking the entire season, which was over 800 pass blocking snaps. This guy is a bona fide staple of of the right side of an offensive line, and I think that he is terrific. We also heard from Jim Nagy and a lot of the other people over at the Senior Bowl a couple weeks ago down in Mobile, Alabama, that he was one of the most impressive players that they had on that offensive line. I think Darnell Wright... It is an absolutely tremendous first-round draft prospect. I know that some people may be having the first, some people may be having the second, but everything that I saw from him last year was just nothing but impressiveness. In Tennessee's game against Alabama, which we all know the kind of prospect that Will Anderson is on the defensive line for Alabama, Will Anderson <coughs> excuse me, was almost a non-factor against Tennessee in Knoxville back in October simply because Darnell Wright had his number the entire game long. It was a truly money-making performance for Darnell Wright. So, uh, again, we're talking about a lot of impressive players from Tennessee with Jalen Hyatt and Henry Hooker. Darnell Wright legitimately might be my favorite prospect from Tennessee heading into the draft just because of how much of a stout prospect he is. What changed for him? Because he didn't have that, you know, success early on. And then, uh, you know, going back, as, as we mentioned, what, the last 18 games hasn't allowed a sack. What, so what has changed? How did, how did he flip the script? Yeah, you know, it, it, it was really just a, a weird and a little bit of a wild ride at Tennessee with the COVID year coming in right smack dab in the middle of it that kind of derailed his tenure at Tennessee a little bit. He came back after those COVID workouts for the 2020 season, not in shape, just not really locked in, not really focused, and I absolutely think that hurt his growth a little bit. But with the coaching staff turnover that happened right after that year, Josh Heifel and, and offensive line coach Glenn Ellerby coming in for the 2021 season, they really focused in on this guy, and they really had him lock into the process of what they were doing. Once they were able to get him right mentally, he was able to get himself right physically. He was able to get back to the size that he wanted to be at, around 335 pounds, instead of significantly more where he was not as quick. He was not as powerful. He was a little bit more bloated on the offensive line. They were able to get him down to a good spot, get his mentality locked back in, and I think ultimately winning helps, of course. I think being on a rejuvenated team rather than a team that was really going downhill quickly with Jeremy Pruitt as the head coach, with COVID going on, all that kind of stuff, I think that really hurt him at the beginning of his career. But the last two years with Josh Heisel and this coaching staff has been nothing but impressiveness, I think, from Darnell Wright. Moving over to the defensive side, what could teams, if they're maybe looking in those mid to late rounds, expect that they draft Byron Young? Sure. Byron Young is an explosive edge rusher that truly just loves the game of football and loves his teammates. I remember talking to Byron Young 
right after the Orange Bowl when he was kind of making a decision whether to opt in or opt out of that game in preparation for the NFL draft. But at the end of the day, he said, man, I love football, and I'm committing to my teammates every single day that I wake up. I'm committing to the team that I own. This is a guy who is a natural leader on the defensive side of the ball, but also let's talk about just an explosive, explosive player. His stats may not be up there with the best in the country, and I understand that. Hey, Tennessee's defense was not really the best in the country either. They had a lot of deficiencies, but he was certainly one of the bright spots on the team. And I go back to a game like LSU when Tennessee was on the road in Baton Rouge. Byron Young was an absolute havoc wrecker. He made uh, Jaden Daniels' life miserable back there, just being able to create that pressure. I know one of the big things, especially in the NFL right now, is being able to create pressure on the quarterback with just a four-man rush. I think that Byron Young can be a part of one of those units that helps produce that kind of production uh, for an NFL team like the Raiders. I like it. I like it. There's a lot of talent that's going to be uh, leaving Tennessee and headed to the NFL, and that's a good thing. That, that's really good. It's a great recruiting tool, right, uh, having guys that can go yeah. to the NFL. Rick, before we let you go, I did want to ask you just about the head coach, man, Josh Heupel. What has he brought to the table since he's been there on Rocky Top? And, and of course, uh, there's a lot of talent leaving. How do you retool? How do they, how do they re, not rebuild but reload the cupboard full of talent? Yeah, Josh Heifel has brought stability. I I think that's really the first and foremost thing that you want to talk about, whether it's the coaching staff, whether it's the players, whether it's the people in the room. He's brought an absolute sense of stability to Tennessee that it really has not seen in the past five to ten years with a total carousel of of coaches coming in. But Josh Heifel, really, when you look at him, man, this is an offensive guy. This is a guy that won the national championship as a quarterback at Oklahoma back in the year 2000. So he knows offense, and he knows what he wants to do with an up-tempo fast-paced offense. I think that, you know, when you look at the players that Tennessee is losing, yes, they're all very talented players, whether you're talking about Hooker, Hyatt, Wright, Tillman, or one of these other players. But ultimately, Josh Heupel knows what he wants to do with his, with his scheme and his system very, very well. And you saw that in the Orange Bowl when Tennessee did not have any of these players besides Darnell Wright that we're talking about. They did not have him and Hooker because of injury. They did not have Jalen Hyatt because of opting out yet the offense was still able to run the same way that it had been all year just because his scheme is so brilliant. I I think that ultimately a lot of Tennessee's success on offense does come from the coaching staff and kind of the head coach in the scheme. Obviously, you need players to be able to go in there and and be productive in the system, but I absolutely think that what he brings to the table that Tennessee has not had, that maybe other teams in the SEC have not seen for a long time, is just that offensive capability. I think you're going to see guys continue to rack up numbers at Tennessee while he is here, while this offense is clicking, and I think that we are going to be talking about first-round Tennessee players pretty much every year from here on out. Now, maybe maybe just one or two, maybe not a ton, (laughs) but I do think that you're going to have guys who are racking up stats like Jalen Hyatt and like Kenyon Hooker. I don't want to butcher his last name, but uh, the quarterback prospect, Nico, what's uh, what's going on there? Is he actually going to Tennessee? <laughs> yes, he, he, that is, uh, I'll help you out here because it's taken me a couple months to get it. Nico Iamaliava, he was the number one mm. ranked player in the 2023 class from On3 Sports. And yes, he is here at Tennessee. He went through the Orange Bowl practices back in December. He went all the way out to Hawaii in, in January for an all-star game. But he is preparing to be the backup quarterback for Tennessee heading into next year. This is the guy. I, I think when you talk about NIL, when you talk about the high-level recruits, I mean, we're, we're talking about him outranking Arch Manning, one of the mm. Manning family prodigies in these recruiting rankings. He, he is every bit uh, of the highly touted prospect that he is, a guy who's six foot six, a guy who's going to put on a little bit of weight now that he's in the Tennessee locker room. But he is going to be the future of Tennessee, and that's at least 
kind of the way that it's projecting. But this is this is Tennessee's first real step into this big NIL era, a, a top two or three quarterback. This is going to be a really interesting path to see how Tennessee continues to handle this. But I think that you will see him a fairly good bit, maybe a little bit more backup roles this year. But, hey, that, this is the kid that's supposed to be the future of Tennessee football, Nico Iamaliava. There you go. I'm going to let you go ahead and say his name multiple <laughs> times. I'm not going to do that. But, Rick, fan, fantastic stuff, my man. What do you guys got coming out, Rocky Top Insider? I know you guys got it all locked and loaded, all things Tennessee Volunteers. What you guys got coming out? Yeah, Q, absolutely, man. We're over at Rocky Top Insider. We're covering all things Tennessee athletics, whether it's football, basketball, or baseball year-round. So a lot of what our football content looks like right now is, is kind of what we're talking about. We're talking about NFL draft prospects. We're talking about where Hendon Hooker and Jalen Hyatt might land on these teams. So right now we've got a lot of NFL draft stuff, but also tonight is the start of the college baseball season. So mm-hmm. Tennessee ranked number two in the polls. If you like college baseball, I think you're certainly familiar with Tennessee and Tony Vitello. So we got a lot of fun stuff going up. And then, hey, on Saturday, Tennessee plays Kentucky in basketball. So that's always a fun rivalry as well. It's nonstop in the world of college athletics over here, guys. No, it's not. And then on top of that, spring ball's right around the corner. <laughs> right? Yep. So That's exactly right. Yep. Next month. There you go. There you go. Well, Rick, fantastic breakdowns, man. We've gotten nothing but texts and tweets about how great this uh, interview was. Thank you so much, my man. We'll keep in touch, and uh, we'll talk soon. Hey, Q, thanks so much for having me on the show. You guys are awesome and a great show as well. Let's talk soon. Let's do this again. Absolutely. No doubt. There he goes. That's, that's mic drop moments right there. Rick Butler, Rocky Top Insider on Twitter, at Rick, and that's R-I-C underscore B-U-T-L-E-R. That's Butler. Make sure you hit him up, man. Give him a follow and uh, just tell him great job. That was great, great breakdown from Rick. We definitely appreciate him. 3.50 is the time. Take a quick break. Come back. Close out hour number two. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Really good conversation. We just wrapped up with Rick Butler from Rocky Top Insider talking all things Tennessee Volunteers, and in particular Hendon Hooker, but deep dove into a lot of the players that will be coming up in April's draft. Raiders Burner 91 on Twitter said, Q, great talk with Rick. My dream draft is trading back and getting another second-round pick, then drafting Richardson in the first, Wright and Hyatt in the second, and defense the rest of the way. That's Raider Burner 91 on Twitter. Definitely appreciate that, my man. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick. We have Carolina Teague coming up at the top of the hour, but 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our good friend Vegas Pete. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, what's up, Q? Today's a holiday of sorts that I'm calling in for the first time ever. Nice. New booty. So I was thinking about you talking about the coaches and everything. And one of the things I admire about the Steelers is they have consistency mm-hmm. and they give a coach and a GM time to build things. And the NFL's put us in the spotlight now, man. We're in the big spotlight now with yep. Pro Bowl, Super Bowl, everything. So I think you got to give this coach and GM because they're tied together three to five years because, mm. I mean, they were left handicapped by the poor draft picks and everything, and especially if we go a young quarterback. You know, and everybody wants to come play in Vegas. I don't know who doesn't. So I was just looking at that different because if you change coach and GM, they got 15 people underneath them that you got to replace also. So I think Mark Davis learned from his dad. And he's like, I'm not switching one or two years after a while. Nobody wants this job. And I got to hire Tom Cable. Right. No, hey, good stuff. Vegas Pete, thank you for the call. And that's the thing about it. And I believe John McClain has said that to us multiple times. Like, you just can't get in the habit of just firing people and firing people because then a real good coach, like say a, a Sean Payton, right? If, if if all of a sudden the Raiders had fired Josh McDaniels after one year and then pursued Sean Payton, you know what he's thinking? Wait a minute. You just fired that guy after one year. 
What makes me any different? If I don't go there and succeed in year one, what are you going to do to me? So you do have to establish that. You're right about consistency, sticking with the same staff. I just think, like you mentioned, the NFL's put, one, the Raiders in the spotlight, but they've also, as a collective, have made it real difficult on a lot of coaches where if they don't get it done right away, all of a sudden we start hearing, oh, that guy's on the hot seat, that guy's on the hot seat, this guy's on his way out, look out, he's going to get fired at the end. How much have we talked about Mike McCarthy? In Dallas. Hell, he made the playoffs, and we were all surprised he still has a job. Right? I mean. 12 win, 12 win seasons in a row. Two of them. Right. And they're still thinking about getting rid of them. That's what I'm saying. So, I mean, that's the thing about it. It's like the way that it's set up now in the NFL, if you're not seeing success pretty quickly, and then especially when you see coaches like Coach McDaniel in Miami go and win immediately, you see Coach Dayball in New York go win immediately, you see what's going on with Coach Sala in New York with the Jets, and I know he's a second-year guy, but still – you're seeing these guys. You saw what happened with Coach O'Connell in Minnesota. You're seeing success, so everyone wants that. We're in an instant gratification world, right? What's that commercial? I want my money and I want it now. That's what everyone wants. They want everything and they want it now. That's the problem. So it's really very difficult to figure out and, and really stick with a coach and give them time to build it because there's so much outside noise about this, this ain't going right, this ain't going right. This has got to be changed. you got to go fire that guy. 3.58 is the time. We'll come back. Carolina Teague, she'll join the show next. This is Radio Nation Radio 920.